In this episode, I will answer the questions, why should trust be important to you? Why was it important to me? Why is understanding trust so important? And I owe you that from the first episode. What should you expect from this podcast? Welcome to Season 1, Episode 2 of The Trust Show. I'm Yoram Solomon, your host, a researcher of trust and the author of The Book of Trust. In this educational podcast, I will challenge you to think differently about trust through the eight laws of trust and the six components of trustworthiness. I will share my own stories, experiences of others, trust research, and sometimes I will just reflect on a news item. Through all of those, I will show you how to build trust, be trusted, and know who to trust. Because the answer to these two questions will have the biggest impact on your personal and professional success or failure. Can I trust you? And can you trust me? Why is trust important to you? I read books and articles, uh, research articles, uh, that correlated trust to other outcomes that you would expect from a business, whether it's to the employees or to the business itself. And so I want to just cover some of them that, that I read. When you have a high trust environment, employees in 74% of the time are less stressed. In 106% of the time, they feel more energy. In 13% of the time, they take fewer sick days. So just think about that. A company that has high trust experiences 13% fewer sick days with all the expenses associated with that. But the employees, again, the employees themselves, they experience 76% higher engagement. You know how everything today, almost everything today in the organization is all about employee engagement. Well, if you have higher trust level, you have 76% higher engagement. As an employee, 29% higher job satisfaction and 40% less burnout. In some of my own research and research done by others, I found numbers anywhere between 50% and 64%. Companies that have higher levels of trust have 50 to 64% higher productivity and higher creativity or innovation. And you know how important those are. More recently, I read articles about the correlation between the level of trust and project performance. And so if you're a project manager or are involved or or whether it's leading or just taking part in a project, what is it that you care about? You care about the project being on time, on budget, and on specification, right? Well, if you have a higher trust level in the organization, you will have 45% better project performance in high-risk uh, high projects, as if there is any other kind of a project, a major project. So a project with high risk, if you have a high level of trust as well, the level of project performance is going to be 45% higher. If you care about shareholder returns, whether it's as a stock price or dividends, companies with higher levels of trust show that they have they deliver 286 times higher shareholder returns. So think about that. Your shareholders are going to get 
like four times more returns if your company has a high level of trust. I did one of my own studies and I found that uh, I, I asked a, a question. So th this is not really a study. Th this is more like a survey. And, and I asked and I had 363 people respond to this. And I asked this question, what is the most important quality for you in another person? And I gave six types of people, your boss, your employee, your colleagues, a salesperson trying to sell you something, your government representative, and your spouse. So I asked the question, what is the most important quality for you in another person? And first, I started with a pretty open-ended question, and I just collected the answers, uh, open-ended answers, and I consolidated them, and I got to the top five. And so then I sent this survey where I asked you to rank one, two, three, four, five, what is the most important quality in another person, and I gave those top five. Well, I'll start with number five, with 0.83%, three of 363 surveys responded that the most important quality get ready for that in another person is good looks i know it's crazy three out of 363 respondents said that good looks was the most important quality now maybe they were just joking and you know how it is with with surveys sometimes uh, people are just sarcastic but nevertheless that was the answer number one with 61.2 percent trustworthiness. The most important quality for you in another person in 61.2% of the time is trustworthiness. More than the next four combined. So it's more than intelligence, more than your willingness to work hard, more than your willingness to take risk, and more than your good looks. The most important quality, and I'm going to put it this way, the most important quality for other people in you in 61.2% of the time is your trustworthiness. In another survey, I just asked the question, do you want to be more trusted at work? 85% of the people who responded said yes. 46% said a lot. So 46, half the people when I asked them, do you want to be more trusted at work said yes, a lot. 85% said yes. 15% didn't care or just said no, I'm good. I'm, I'm trusted enough. But, but that means that for 85% of people, there is still this gap of wanting to be more trusted. So the next question in that specific survey was, you want to be more trusted by whom? Well, 73% said by my boss, 43%, and those were not exclusive. You didn't just have to answer one. You just had to say, who do you want to be more trusted by? 73% by my boss, 43% by my colleagues, and it goes down from there. 22% by the rest of my team and then by others. So you do want to be more trusted at work in 85% of the time. I asked a simple question, why? And this was an open-ended question. So here are the answers that I got. So I can do more. So I'm not being micromanaged. You know how it is to feel micromanaged when your boss wants you to send an email. Before you send an email out to somebody else, send it to me so that I can go over it and see if it's okay. Or just report to me every day on what you're doing or your boss just drops on you unannounced and wanting to see where you're going. Being micromanaged is not great. And I'll talk more about that in later episodes. 
Some said that uh, I want to be more trusted so that I feel respect and I, and I can grow my reputation. Some said that I want to be more trusted so that I can get promoted, so that I can get more responsibility. An interesting response was people said they wanted to be more trusted so that they can feel safer, have better relationship, increase their own commitment, which was interesting. I want to be more trusted so that I can experience or have more commitment. Again, as I said at the beginning, and I'll say again at the end, why is it important for you to be trusted? Or why is trust so important for you? Because the answer to these two questions have the biggest impact on your personal and professional success or failure. Can I trust you? And can you trust me? So you understand why trust is important, but why do you need to understand trust? Why do you need to understand how trust operates? Which is a lot of the things that I'm going to go over through this uh, podcast altogether is I'm going to explain trust. I'm going to take you through the eight laws of trust, the six components of trustworthiness. But why is it important for you to understand? Why shouldn't I just tell you, do this and you will be trusted? Well, first of all, because trust is relative. What will get you trusted by one person is not necessarily what's going to get you trusted by somebody else. It's also contextual. But now I'm just starting to take you through the eight laws of trust, and and it's a little too early. I, I want to explain why it's important for you to understand trust before I start giving you tips and and habits, because again, not all habits will work for you and not in all situations. So if you're familiar with the concept of GPA or grade point average, which is something that is being used in high school and, and in college and grad school, you get GPA, right? So imagine this, the GPA, especially in university, the GPA is pretty straightforward. I mean, this is the grade that you got on this course and there's the number of points. But what if it changed? What if there was a formula? And what if you didn't know how this formula works? So I'm going to calculate your GPA, but I'm not going to tell you how I calculate it. You don't know what to do. You don't know what to change in your behavior. You don't know what new behaviors to start and what old behaviors to stop because you don't know what's affecting your trustworthiness. So it's important for you to understand trust so that you can control your trustworthiness. You know, another example that I use is is the IRS. How much tax do you owe? How much federal tax do you owe on your income? And, you know, we take your income, there's the net income, there's the gross income, then there are all kinds of deductions and allowances and so on. What if I didn't tell you how this works? What if the IRS did not tell you how it works? You know, you just report whatever and we're going to calculate and our calculation is completely invisible to you. I, I know that it sometimes it does feel like this is the case, but but it's not really. If if you're using a good tax consultant or you understand tax laws, then you know exactly how to categorize things. You know how to plan for how much tax you're going to uh, be paying. And so for that reason, you know, this, this is why you put money in, in IRAs, for example, because you know that that's the tax on those are def- is deferred. And so there are all kinds of considerations you're going to use 
when you decide how to take certain jobs and and how to use certain deductions and how to put money aside. So trust, again, works the same way. You want to know how it operates so you will know what are the knobs and levers that you need to turn and pull or push just so that you can become more trustworthy in a certain circumstance, in, in a certain situation. So this is why it's so important for you to understand trust. And this is why I'm going to explain trust in in this podcast, because once you understand how it works and how it operates and what makes you trustworthy and what doesn't and how much, then you will know for yourself what to do. So I told you why you should care about trust. Why is trust important to you? But let me tell you why trust is important to me. So I'm going to take you through my journey, and my journey kind of starts in 2008. Uh, In 2008, uh, you remember the economy had just tanked. We had the Great Recession. At that time, I worked for Texas Instruments, and Texas Instruments had just announced in October of 2008 that they're going to let go of 1,400 employees. They just didn't say who. And so you can imagine what is going through my head as I'm working at Texas Instruments and I don't know if my job is going to get affected or not. But on top of the economy and the Texas Instruments uh, layoffs, the thing that was on top of mind for me was that I had to come up with a topic for my PhD dissertation. So, you know, there are a couple of things that uh, if you're ever doing a PhD dissertation, you're going to hear. And one of them is that... uh, You know what they call a person that barely, barely manages to defend their dissertation? Doctor. That's how they call them. So there is really no scale here. There's no range. There's no grade. It's you pass or you fail. You defended your dissertation, you passed. You could not defend it, you failed. That's one thing. The second thing that you're going to hear is that a good dissertation is a done dissertation. And with those in mind, uh, I I beg your pardon, but I was aiming pretty low uh, with the topic. And so I'm trying to come up with a topic. And this was over a phone call with my mentor, Cordy Kaman. And so I come up with topics, uh, again, aiming pretty low, and Cordy keeps shooting them down. You know, I come up with another topic, and he keeps shooting it down. And every topic I come up with, he doesn't seem to be happy with it. He's not satisfied with it. And so I'm, I'm getting, as you can imagine, increasingly annoyed with him. And then at some point, he asked me one of those pivotal questions You know, if if you look at your own lives and and you can find those pivotal points, that question to me was pivotal. I mean, without that question, I would probably not be where I am today. His question was, Yoram, what pisses you off? (laughs) Yeah, that was the pivotal question. What pisses you off? And well, I wanted to say to Cordy, well, you, I'm trying to come up with topics and, and you don't let me. But the words that came out of my mouth were, why are people so much more creative when they work in startups than when they work in large, mature companies? See, I did start startup companies. I I had my own startup companies. I sold companies. I participated in acquiring companies. So I, I was very involved with startups. I still am. 
But at that time, I was working for Texas Instruments, a company that with 35,000 employees at the time was anything but a startup. And I could feel the difference in levels of creativity. And so I was interested in answering that question. That ended up being the research question for my dissertation. Why are people so much more creative when they work in startups than when they work in large, mature companies? There was quite on the other side of the line. And after a few seconds, Cody said, well, I think we have a topic. So I spent the next two years researching exactly the answer to that question. I interviewed 20 people who worked in different types of companies. Each one of them had worked in both types. And, and I'm not going to talk too much about that. Maybe in a later episode, I'll, I'll dedicate an episode to talk about those differences. But, you know, after two years, I was done. I wrote chapters one, two, and three, submitted them to my dissertation committee, and the committee approved it. Then I wrote chapter four, the results, and I submitted chapter four to the dissertation committee and the committee approved it. And then I drew all the conclusions uh, and, and kind of wrapped it all up and wrote chapter five. I communicated with Cordy Sunday evening and I told him that I just finished, completed chapter five. And he said, email it to me. And I said, I asked him, can you give me another week? Give me one more week to clean it up, you know, wrap it up nicely and I'm going to send it to you next weekend. He said, fine. Unfortunately, Cody went to sleep sun, uh, Monday night and did not wake up Tuesday morning. He passed in his sleep. And as a result, I did dedicate that research and that dissertation to him. I did end up graduating and uh, my daughter, both my daughters came with me, my wife and daughters came with me to the graduation ceremony. Um, and, uh, you know, my younger daughter, Shira, she was nine years old when we came back from my graduation ceremony. She had a friend over for a play date and she, her friend asked her, Shira, where have you been this summer? And Shira said, we just came back from my daddy's doctoral graduation ceremony. So her friend asked her, oh, really? So your daddy's a doctor? And Shira thought about this for a few seconds and said, yeah, but not the useful kind. Anyway, one of the next annoying questions that I would get every now and then was, uh, so what's the answer? Why are people so much more creative when they work for startups than when they work for large, mature companies? And, and it's an annoying question or was an annoying question for me because I spent two years I interviewed people in the entire US, Canada, China, Europe, and even Israel. I spent two years, I published 348 pages, and you're looking for a one sentence, one paragraph? But what I realized is that I can actually answer it with two words, innovation culture. And I kind of broke down what innovation culture is to several three main components uh, that can both can either be positive or negative. And again, I'll talk more about that in a later episode. Uh, I'll talk about the innovation culture and those components. But and by the way, micromanagement is one of them is is on the negative side. Then after I finished that, I decided to take a small detour from my focus on innovation and into innovation culture. And at that time, I wrote, uh, I think that was my seventh book already, uh, Culture Starts With You, Not Your Boss. And the book, uh, I sent the book to the uh, editors and uh, the book really talked about the uh, innovation culture puzzle, uh, those components of, of innovation culture. 
And then I had a meeting with a potential client. And when we sat and talked about innovation culture, and I started interviewing them to understand where they are on those three main components of innovation culture, what I realized was that they were pretty low on each one of those components. But through the interview, I also realized that the reason they ranked low on each one of those components of innovation culture was because they lacked trust. They did not have trust, which was kind of new to me. I, I never thought about trust as, as something. And um, when the book came back from the editor, I added another chapter. It was a six-page chapter. It was the last one. It was the epilogue and was called Building Trust. And this was really the first time that I talked about trust, that I started analyzing trust. Really, over those six pages, that was the first time that I even built a mathematical model, which was very simplistic back then. Right now, in the Book of Trust, the model is a lot more comprehensive and takes a lot of more things into consideration, even though it has exactly the same six components uh, that that chapter back in 2017 had in the book Culture Starts With You, Not Your Boss. So if you ever get your hands on the book, uh, just realize, and I'm giving you a disclaimer up front, the book is probably clean and uh, doesn't have any typos or grammatical errors with the exception of one six-page chapter, Building Trust, the epilogue, because I added that and then send it immediately to be uh, printed. One other thing that I realized was that uh, if you try to help an organization innovate, come up with new ideas, those will not stick because they may not have a culture of innovation. And you will never have a culture of innovation if you don't have the foundation of trust. And I use the word foundation, and, and now it kind of helps me with another analogy, Starting to help an organization with innovation is like starting to build a building from the second floor. You don't start to build from the second floor. You don't even start with the first floor, which is a culture of innovation. You have to start with the foundation, and the foundation is trust. And I realized that trust is where I need to put my focus on. And to me, that was another pivotal point in my life. I came to a fork in the road. I had to decide whether I'm going to continue with innovation, continue my focus on innovation, or take a turn into trust. Both things are related, but the question was, what is going to be my focus? Because you have to focus. Whatever you do, you have to focus. You have to be professional. You have to specialize in one thing. So is it going to stay innovation or is it going to go into trust? I asked 20 of my closest friends and family members. 19 of them said, stick with innovation. So I decided to focus on trust and I never looked back. This is my story. This is why... And it is important for you to understand my why before you continue and listen to me through the next seasons and episodes. This is why I decided to focus on trust. At this point, I owe you this from the first episode. I gave you the first episode so you'll get a sense of uh, what this podcast is going to feel like and sound like. In this, and I owe you for this episode 
what to expect from this podcast. So kind of the introduction. So I already talked about the importance of trust to you, to me, and why it's important to understand it. But what would you expect? What would you get in episodes? So the episodes are going to be a combination of philosophical and practical discussion of trust. So I will talk about the philosophy. I'm going to ask you, what what do you think would happen in this scenario versus that scenario? And so why should we look at trust one way versus another? So this is kind of going to be on the philosophical side. It's it's not going to be heavy. I, I can promise you that. It's going to be pretty light. But then there's going to be very, very practical components in every episode. So I'm going to give you very specific tips but and very specific habits you should start or habits you should stop. But really, I need you to understand the background for that. So this is why the philosophical, psychological part of it Sometimes even neuroscientific side of things will be included uh, before I give you some very practical advice. The other thing is my thinking evolves on trust. As I read more research, I read more material, I conduct my own research, I give talks, I work with companies, I learn new things. Uh, You know, I certainly do hope that I will continue to learn all the time. But as I learn, my thinking will evolve. And sometimes I may even feel and necessary to re-record an episode or or re-release content on a certain topic in a new way, in a new perspective. So that might happen. Now, I need to explain one thing. There is no place where I'm going to claim that I am the most trusted person on earth. I am not. I am nowhere near. I can point out to things that I'm doing wrong. And because of them, I will not be trusted in certain situations. So how can I talk about trust? How can I educate, teach you about trust if I'm not the most trusted person? Very simple. It's just like um, if I was an expert on elephants, I could be an expert on elephants and teach you everything there is to know about elephants without actually being an elephant. You get the point. In terms of format, uh, you see what the format is. This is a solo podcast. So for the most part, I'm going to talk myself. Probably every now and then I will throw in an interview and interview people. But I really want to share what I know and my research uh, to help you through that. Um, There are going to be seasons for this uh, podcast. So my plan right now is to have four seasons per year with 10 episodes each. So Imagine I'm going to have a, uh, you know, probably a season per season. So uh, whether I'm going to have like a spring, summer, fall and winter uh, seasons or first quarter, second quarter, third quarter, doesn't matter. But it's going to be divided into seasons with 10 episodes. Then I'm going to take a couple of weeks off um, and be thinking about the next season before I print it, uh, before I record it and publish it. An episode will be published every Sunday afternoon. The idea is that you can listen to the next episode Sunday evening. But more importantly, if you start your week work, work week every Monday morning, doesn't matter what time, every Monday morning, you will know that there is a new episode waiting for you. So this is my commitment to you. A new episode every Sunday afternoon ready for you to consume on your way to work Monday morning. I do record about two, three episodes uh, ahead of time. So I may be, if, if you ask a question, I may respond to it like two, three episodes later. 
because I may have already recorded uh, the next two, three episodes. Every season, every episode, every topic I will talk about will have three focal points. How do you build trust in a relationship generally? How do you become more trusted than you are in any specific relationship? And how do you know who to trust? It's time to summarize this episode. In this episode, I answer the questions, why is trust important to you? Why should it be important to you? Why should it be important to me? Why is it important for you to understand trust so that you can be more trusted and know who to trust? And I told you what to expect from this podcast. In the next episode, I will talk about, or I will answer the question, should you start with trust or should another person earn your trust first? What would you like to know about trust? I would love to hear from you. Email me at yoram at thetrustshow.com and I promise that I, I will pick some important questions and I will answer them. If you like this podcast episode, subscribe to this podcast, subscribe to the show so that you will automatically get new episodes. Rate them, write a review for this episode because those ratings, they help not only you or me, but they also help others who are looking for a podcast just like this. If you're looking for more resources to learn about how to build trust, be trusted, or know who to trust, look up my online courses at trustedatwork.com, find my books on Amazon, or just go to my website at yoramsolomon.com. And remember one thing, the answer to these two questions will have the biggest impact on your personal and professional success or failure. Can I trust you? And can you trust me? Thank you for listening.